Okay, so this is our second Sunday in August. Uh, I wanted to thank Tim Wheaton, by the way. Tim waved to everybody. Uh, Tim uh, preached this morning down at the Cafe Ministry. Our brother Wayne uh, is working these last few weekends, so Tim brought the word down there. So thank you, Tim, for doing that. Praise the Lord. Shall we say the Lord is raising up another preacher in the house? Maybe. That could very well be. Uh, But today we have a a very special guest, uh, one of our members uh, that you all know very well. We all appreciate uh, our associate pastor, Bill Spurdione, with his wife Heidi today. So please give our associate pastor, Bill, a warm welcome as he comes to share the word today. And thank you, Pastor Bill, for your leadership and your commitment to the church. We really do appreciate you very much. Heidi, God bless you as well. All right. Good morning, church. Um, I will say that my, uh, the word I have today is very unconventional compared to how I usually preach my preaching style. But uh, it is the word the Lord gave me. So I believe it's uh, what the Lord wants for, for us. And, um, you know, I, I just want to start, I'm going to start off with prayer. And then I want to start off with a story in the Bible. Lord, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you just for your spirit. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. I thank you that we can be here and we can worship you and we can be on live stream and worship you and honor you, Lord, and also get into your word, Lord, and sense your presence, Lord. Your presence is here, Lord. I pray you speak to us today, Lord Jesus, in a special way and meet with us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I want to start off talking about a story about um, David and Meshibosheth. Now, say that a few times. I think you'll get a little bit on uh, It's a tongue twister, that's for sure. But that's for sure. Mephibosheth is the right, proper way to say it. But um, the story of David and Mephibosheth is found in 2 Samuel 9, 9 verses 1 through 13. Now, this is not what I'll be preaching on, but, th- but this does have pertain to what I will be preaching on in comparison. But now, at this point in time, in 2 Samuel 9, David had become king of Judah and Israel. So he had become a king, and um, David wanted to show respect to his beloved friend who had passed, Jonathan. And as David had, because uh, David had made a covenant with Jonathan to, uh, to never stop showing the Lord's unfailing kindness to his family. Because Jonathan, who was actually the son of Saul, who was the previous king, him and David were very, very, very close. They loved each other dearly. And David had made this commitment to Jonathan that he would show kindness to his family forever. So now, so understanding that, Jonathan was the son of Saul, who was the king. So usually when a king dies, a son takes part. The son becomes the king. But this was a transition here where David had been chosen as king, and he wasn't in the line of Saul. And, um, and um, Saul and Jonathan did die at the same time, in the same area, same area of time. So who was going to become king? But David became king, and he was not in the line of Saul. But knowing the story of Saul, Saul was very jealous of David. He tried to kill David. He knew, he knew that there was something about David that was special. 
and it, and it made him very jealous, and he wanted to kill him, and he, and he seeked after him. And believe it or not, many times David could have even killed Saul. He had the chances to kill Saul, but he did not. He did not. He did not take those chances that he had to kill him. But when he found out that Saul and Jonathan had passed, he actually grieved. He had compassion. He, should, he, he went into lament. He, he, you know, he tore his clothes. And he, went, and he, and he had the, the people of um, Judah do the same. He tore his clothes and he, he showed honor to Saul and he showed honor to Jonathan. So we see in 2 Samuel 9 that we see that David is asking, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of Saul's named Ziba that was summoned to give an account. And Ziba told David of Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. Now David was told Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. But one important detail is how Mephibosheth became lame. Back in 2 Samuel 4.4, we see that when Saul's kingdom fell and David was rising up, Mephibosheth was around five years old. And the tradition was that if a different family that did not come into the same family would rise up, was rising up, that the family that originally was king would be killed. To kill them off so there would be no uprisal. And there would be nobody that would come from there. So, so in the story, he's five years old and his nurse had grabbed him and ran with him, but then she fell and he became crippled. That's how he lost, became lame in both feet, was from a fall. So he was, he was dropped as a child, and he became crippled because of that. And the reason why he, that she, this nurse was running with him, because she was afraid that because David was now king, that he would come after Mephibosheth and he would have him killed. Not, not that that was David's plan, but that, that was tradition, because David did not come from the line of Saul. But David had been chosen by God to be king. So David sent for Mephibosheth, who was living in Lodabar. And Mephibosheth came bowing down to David and showed him honor. And David said, Do not be afraid, for I surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all of the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Then we see Mephibosheth's response in verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? But David summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said, you and your sons and your servants on the land for Mephibosheth, <laughs> and bring him the crops so that he may always be provided for. And Mephibosheth always ate at the king's table. So this man, who was supposed to be dead, was supposed to be killed, was not part of his family, 
was invited to sit at the king's table forever. And he didn't even have to work for it. He just got to sit there and get the feast and got to enjoy what, what David had for him. And David was the king. And the three things that stuck out to me was, first of all, the kindness that David showed to Mephibosheth was beyond measure. Thinking of all the times that he had to run from Saul, all the times he hid in caves from Saul, all the times that Saul had wanted to take his life, and all the things that Saul tried to do to David. But he had no anger. He didn't hold any grudge against him. He actually honored him, even in his death. He just honored him. The second thing is the physical condition of Mephibosheth, him being handicapped, him, him being crippled. And the third thing is how much, how much reverence they both had for the king. See, Ziba came, and he was a servant of Saul. Ziba was Saul's servant, not David's servant. But when he came to David, he was David's servant. He was a servant. And you know, he came to David with reverence. He treated David with honor. You know, and, and, and when he came to him, he, you know, he said, what, what may I do with you for you, my Lord? He, he knelt down. He knelt down before him. And the same with Mephibosheth. He also came to him and he said, I am at your service. I am at your service. And he bowed down to him also. Something, something that I see today that might be missing. I know something that in my life it's not normal to bow down to a king. It's not something that we practice in this country, really, is bowing down to a king. It's not something that we usually see is bowing down to a king. So it's not something that we will kind of... But should we bow down to a king? And, the, and, my, and my message is titled today is, Here I Am, My Lord. And I got this title because I was sitting at my kitchen table preparing this, and I was sitting at the table, and I was thinking of, you know, I'm thinking of David, I'm thinking of him sitting at the table, and his, all, his, all his men, all his, all his mighty men that sat with him, all his generals, all the people that were part of his army and part of his, of his kingdom. And then there was Mephibosheth. There he was also sitting there. Now understand, he, you realize he's sitting at a table now. His chair's probably pushing. You probably can't even tell that he's lame. You cannot tell that he can't walk. And he's being treated with honor, and he's sitting at the king's table with all the king's men. Well, guess what? We are also called to sit at the table with the king. We are called to sit at the table with the king. And when I sat at my kitchen table and I looked across, all I could picture was Jesus Christ just sitting there across from me. There was nobody else. It was just him and I sitting at the table. And the only words that came to my mouth were, here I am, my Lord. And how many times I thought of all the movies that I saw and we looked at the medieval time, we looked at all the kings, kingdoms and everything, and we see this in the movies all the time where people come up to the king and they have honor and respect. 
And they kneel before the king and say, Here I am, my Lord. And I don't think it's just the kneeling of it. It's also the, the, the bowing of the heart. When we bow our heart before the Lord. When we show reverence and we give him our heart. Because when you sit at the king's table, that is what's required. That's one thing that is required, is just for us to be surrendered to him. And the scripture reference I want to use today is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and are the, regu- are, are the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It was by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, when Paul wrote this, and if anybody's ever read Ephesians, it is a, it is a blessing. It is a blessing to read the book of Ephesians. It's very uplifting, I would say. And Paul wrote it. Paul was not uplifted. He was in prison. He was in prison at the time in Rome when he wrote it. But the theme of Ephesians is unity in heaven and on earth. And that is for us. Unity in heaven and on earth. Where is Jesus? He is in heaven. We are here. But there is unity between us and him when we choose him and we choose to sit at the table with him. There is unity. And we can sit where? In the heavenly realms. We can sit in his presence, heaven on earth, with him, before him, a mighty king, with all authority, all power, and all all righteousness. Now you look at verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3 describes, describes our condition before we got saved. Sinners who follows the ways of this world and are deserving of wrath. 
We were sinners. We, f we followed our flesh. We fed our flesh. We followed the rulers of the air, who is Satan himself. That was, that was who we were following. We were following Satan himself. We were caught up in the ways of this world. And we were deserving of wrath. But he had mercy on us. God is full of mercy. Jesus is full of mercy. David was full of mercy. We're not getting the punishment that we deserve. Because we did, we, we, the way we lived, we deserved punishment. We deserved wrath. But you know what? Because of his mercy and because we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we did not receive that. He had mercy on us. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sights without blemish and free from accusation. Because of Jesus today, you know what? There is no accusation. There's nothing against us any longer. There's nothing against us any longer. And then in verse 4 through 6 it says, Why? Because of who he is. He is love. He is love. He is full of love. He is full of mercy. He is full of grace. And if you all know what grace means, grace means unmerited favor. So he has favor on us that we do not deserve, that we did not earn. We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to earn our way into heaven. All we need to do is accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's all we got to do. And then verses 7 through 10 shows, what, shows that, you know what? This grace is a gift to us. He presents a gift to us for free. It doesn't cost us anything. And nobody can boast about it. It came from them. It came from him. So that we can share this gift and that he can be glorified through that grace. And people can see. And then it says, then we can become the handiwork of his ways. We can be molded into the way he wants us to be. But you know, the biggest picture I saw was sitting with Jesus at the table. How many of us sit with Jesus at the table and feast with him at the table? When we sit with Jesus at the table, we have a feast. Just like David used to have feasts, and Mephibosheth would get an undeserving blessing. That's the same thing that we get when we sit at the table with Jesus. But I want to say something here. Mephibosheth was crippled. And he was crippled because as a child, he was dropped. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to say this out of my own spirit and out of who I am and knowing what it's like to be dropped. There's a lot of people in the world who have been dropped for whatever reason. There's no one to blame about it. It just happens. Things happen in life. And maybe, maybe it's not a physical crippling. Maybe it's an emotional crippling. Maybe it's a mental crippling. Maybe it's a spiritual crippling. But we've been dropped, many of us, as children, or for whatever reason. It doesn't matter why. 
There's nobody to blame. It happens. But Jesus says, come to my table. Crippled just the way you are. Just come to me. Come and sit at my table. I don't care how dirty you are. I don't care what's happened to you. I don't care what you've been through. Just come sit at my table with me. And I think it's very important that we realize that a lot of people have been crippled. And the sad part is they, 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 a lot of times they don't see they're crippling. They don't even see that. But Jesus does. If they would sit at the table, Jesus, Jesus sees it. But you know what? Jesus loves them anyways, does he not? And Jesus heals that crippling, does he not? He heals, he heals, he heals the brokenhearted. He heals the crippled. He heals the one who cannot see. He heals the one who's been through these things. He heals them. But you have to sit at the table to get healed. You have to have fellowship with him. And that fellowship with him is also filled. There's nothing missing. Everything is there that you need. Everything that we need is there. But you know, I'll be honest, I think there's a lot of people, even as Christians, that are eating scraps off the floor. They're taking pieces of Christianity, what they want, and they're leaving best behind. And there might be many reasons for that, why they're taking only pieces of it off the floor and they're not not sitting and having the full meal. Because if you read Ephesians 1, it describes what he had done for us, what he has for us, and it's an unbelievable blessing is what Christ has for us. And it's full. And it's full measure. It's his full measure. It's his full authority. It's his full power. It's everything about him is for us to sit and have at his table and to give us. He wants to give us everything. He wants to give us everything, not just portions. He doesn't want us to have scraps off the floor. He wants to give us the full meal. But in order to do that, we need to sit at the table. But in order to, when we sit at that table, we might come with shame. We might come with brokenness. We might come with guilt. And you know what? That's okay. He loves us. And who is this for? Which leads to my first point. Who is this for? Who is this table for? This table is for all of us. Everyone. Everybody is invited to the table. But not all will come. Because it costs something to sit at the table. It does. It costs everything to sit at the table, really. It really costs everything. But the blessing that comes with it is phenomenal, above above all else that we have, much richer than anything that we physically have in this world. Think about the parable that Jesus has shared um, to the Pharisees in uh, Luke 14, when he invited them to the banquet, said there would be a banquet, and he sent the invitations out, and that the people said everybody had excuses why they couldn't go to the banquet. Oh, I got this going on, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And then what did Jesus say? He said, then, he, then, then the, the person said, okay, invite the cripple, invite the poor, invite, the, invite those who don't have, who, who, invite everybody. And it still wasn't filled. He says, then go out to the byways and the highways, find whoever, invite everybody. Everybody is welcome. 
But not everybody will come because everybody priorities, really, what is their priority? I want you to think about it. What should our priority be? Our priority should be to sit at the table with Jesus. That should be our priority. Think about the story of um, Martha and Mary in um, Luke 10. Jesus comes to their house, and Martha's all busy getting things ready, doing all this stuff, all, all full of anxiety because she wanted everything to be perfect. And where was Mary? Mary's at the feet of Jesus, just loving him, adoring him, just taking it in. And that's where we're called to be. And that's what Jesus said to Martha, complained to Jesus. What Jesus said, well, Mary chose what was best. She understood that I was here. See, I'm here. he's here for us to sit at the table with him. We need to sit and dine with Jesus. We need to sit. We need to dine with him. We need to love him. Let him love us just as we are. Broken, dirty, guilty, shameful, not worthy. He makes us worthy. We're not worthy, but he makes us worthy. But we need to come to the table. We need to spend that time with him. That's what he wants with us. He wants to, he wants to pour his grace on us, his mercy on us, his love on us. And my second point is that we need to come, but we need to come as we are. We don't need to get all cleaned up. We don't need to do... do, do we just need to come the way we are. One thing about David, if you read the Psalms, you will see he came as he was. Whatever position he was in, he came the way he was. And, he, and at times, he, he was having communication with God, and he was sharing his heart and pouring it out, but he came as he was. And by the end, most of his psalms, you see that he's praising God, he's worshiping, because he came to the table, and he brought everything to the table, and then Jesus, what did, what did God do? God just, brought, just blessed him at the table, blessed him in his prayer life, blessed him in his time and his communion with him. Think about the Samaritan woman in John 4. See, when we sit with Jesus at the table, guess what? We can't hide anything. There's no more mass. <laughs> Think about mass tonight, right now, but, but you know what I mean. There's no more mass. There's no fakeness. Jesus sees right through it. And that sometimes is the reason why people don't want to come to the table and see Jesus because they know that he can see right through everything, the facade. He sees through it all, as you see throughout the world, that Jesus saw through the Pharisees and told them exactly the way it was. And he used many ways of just showing them for who they really were and what was really going on. He sees, you know what? When we come to him, we come to him naked, exposed. When we sit at the table, we are naked and we are exposed. He sees everything. But he loves us anyways. He still loves us. Just the way we are. And he wants to do a work in us. He wants to do that handiwork in us. Why? Because we're part of his plan, which is my third point. We are part of his plan. We are part of his vision. We are part of what he wants. We are his masterpiece. We are. We are the Lord's masterpiece. And he wants us to come to the table, and he wants to, he wants to make us into who he wants us to be so that we can be used and do his work, as it says in that word. 
that he wants to make, he, that we are his craftsmanship. And he wants to take us and he wants to mold us. When I was sitting at the table and, and, I, and I, I just want to do something right now. I want to, everybody to shut your eyes. And I want you to think about sitting at a table and it's just you and Jesus. And he's just sitting across from you. Because that's what it was like when I was preparing this message at my kitchen table. And the only words that could come to my mind was, here I am, my Lord. Total honor, total respect, total love, total reverence for him. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about looking at Jesus and seeing him in his purity and his whiteness and his love and his, this is light, who he is. And the smile and the welcoming on his face. Because when we sit with Jesus, he welcomes us. He doesn't, he doesn't sit there and point fingers at us. He welcomes us. This picture, that smile on his face and that greeting to you. And, and sense that love that he has for you. Just the way you are. He just wants you to come to the table and feast on what he has for you. He, and you know what? When he, when he puts out his feast, it is, it is everything. There's nothing missing. It is the fullness of Christ. The fullness of who he is. That is there for us. To, to take and to use and, and to make into what he wanted to be, Lord. And I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you will let us pray, Lord Jesus, that you will give us a vision of that, of that time of sitting with you in communion. Just me and Jesus sitting there at the table. Just you and I sitting at the table. Here I am, my Lord. I am here. Do what you want with me. Take my, take my brokenness. Take my crippleness. Take my guilt. Take my shame. Take it all away. And fill me with your goodness. Fill me with your love. Fill me with every part of you. Give me the food that I need. Give me the nourishment I need. That is what we get when we're at the Lord's table and our hearts are bowed before him. We get nourished. We get fed. We get filled. And we don't get filled for ourselves, we get filled for others. We get filled so that we can go out and do his work and be his hands and be Christ's like. He fills us so we can go out and do his work. But he's the one who fills us. He, he allows us to sit at this, this place. Like I shared earlier, there's um, some of us have been dropped and broken and crippled and I will say that when I was a child I was dropped I was broken I was crippled in many ways but you know what the Lord just keeps on healing me and healing me and strengthening me and giving me more and more and more and keeps on nourishing me and feeding me I'm not that broken person anymore because of him I've been healed And you know, um, this, whole, this whole time when I was preparing this, it was a song that was on my heart that I want to play. And um, during the song, I just wanted to let, let it be a time, if you want to come to the altar, if the Lord wants to deal with you in any way, 
Let him deal with you. But I want to play this song, and, and let's, I hope this song ministers to you like it ministers to me. In a, The name of this song is uh, Come As You Are. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. So lay down your burden, lay down your chains. All who are broken. Up your face, oh wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hope. And those who have strayed Come sit at the table Come taste the grace There's rest for the weary Rest that endures Earth has no sorrows That heaven can't cure So lay down your burdens Lay down your shame All who are broke and lift up your face Oh wanderer come home You're not too far Lay down your hurt Lay down your heart Come as you are Come as you are the morning. Oh, sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. All who are broken up your face, oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far, lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are.
Come as you are Lay down your burdens Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face Oh wanderer come home you're not too far so lay down your hurt lay down your heart and come as you are come as you I, I play that song and I li that, that song just came to me during preparing for this and it's just like lay down our burdens lay down our shame just lay it down to him all who are broken lift up your face lift it up to him we don't have to sit there broken in front of Jesus we can be lifted up our faces can be lifted up our continents can change Oh, wanderer, the one who's wandered away, come home, he says. Come home. You're not too far. You're not too far. So lay down your hurts. Lay down your heart and come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless, those who have strayed. Come sit at the table. Come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, Rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. Lord, let us pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, that we come sit at the table with you and we bring everything to the table. The masks come off. The burdens of stuff and things and an agenda comes off. We, and we come and we sit naked in front of you exposed and we say here I am Lord here I am my Lord here I am my Lord here I am my Lord I just pray for our hearts to be bowed our, that every part of us be bowed down to him surrendered to him so that he can use us in the way he wants to use us and he will give us everything that we need for the purposes of him Lord, I just thank you for this, Lord. I just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you just use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. Let us come to your table. Let us sit with you. Let us feast with you and be used by you in a mighty way, Lord Jesus, for what your plans are, Lord. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Good word today. Why don't we stand together? Several thoughts are running through my mind. One thought is, uh, whose table are you sitting at if it's not the Lord's table? Uh, are you eating the dinner he has or are you settling for the scraps? So uh, with those thoughts, every head bowed for just a moment. And let me just uh, ask you some questions this morning before we close out in prayer. Praise the Lord. 
If you could ask yourself the question, where are you sitting? Which table are you sitting at? Table of bitterness? Table of gossip? Table of strife and anguish? Anger, maybe? And yet the Lord's table is set. It's set for you and I to come pull up a chair and pull in close to that table where the Lord said, give us, give us this day our daily bread. Come to that table daily and take the bread he has for us. So I want to just raise the question, is anyone here uh, ready to make some decisions? Because no one's going to make you come to the table, except maybe the Holy Spirit might make you. But is there anyone ready to come to the table? Just let, raise your hand. Let me see. Are you ready to pull your chair up close to the table? Come on. Who, who, who's ready for that? I'm ready for that. Is anyone ready to, to put it in your mind? You know, you, you're, you're not going to settle for the scraps anymore. And the scraps might sustain you for a little while. But why take the scraps when there's, there's meat and potatoes on the table? The Lord wants us to get all that he has for us. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that has come to a place in your life where you've been around the table. You've been, you've been at the table and you left the table, but you've been around the table for a while. But at this point in your life, and you know what's going on in your life, you're ready to pull up a chair and make this a permanent place that you go to. Make this a part of your life and your lifestyle. Are you ready to make Jesus Christ the head of your life and the head of your table? Are you ready to surrender your will to his will? Jesus said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added to you. So is there anyone here ready to say, okay, Lord, I'm done with with uh, sitting at uh, someone else's table. I'm done with sitting at my table. Lord, I want to sit at your table, and I want to sit there for the rest of my life. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. Anyone ready to make a commitment to serve the Lord, to say, yes, Lord, I, I, I surrender to your lordship. Anyone like that? I surrender to your lordship. Raise your hand if that's you. I, I surrender to you, oh God. All right. Father, Lord God, we come before you today. In the wonderful, powerful, matchless name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The name where your word says every knee will bow one day, every tongue will confess that this Jesus is Lord. The one whom songs are written about and, and, and books are written about. And for, for generation after generation after generation, your name is all over the world. And so, Lord, we bow down before your name today. But we ask you, O oh God, that you would forgive us of our sins. Lord, we come to this place in our life where, okay, we've been around the table, but, Lord, we're ready to come and stay at the table. So we ask you, Lord, forgive us of our sins, cleanse our heart, purify our soul, O oh God, and, and, and let us know in our heart of hearts that you have a place for us. There's room at the table for each and every one of us. So, Lord, we receive you. As we receive you, we're also rejecting flesh and demonic forces that would want to take us away and remove us from the table. We ask you, Lord, for a special anointing of your Holy Spirit to be empowered to say no to those things and to say yes to you. And so we welcome your presence upon our lives. Lord, we pray as we go forward from this day, as we're in the midst of this COVID-19 and so much social unrest in our country, uh, so much unrest in the political scene, we're going to trust you, Lord, that you have called us to be light and to be salt 
to the world around us and the people around us. But, Lord, we could never do that unless we sit at your table first. So, Lord, help us. And I think you've been speaking to us in the last several weeks how important it is to make time to be with you every single day so that when we do go out into the world, into our business world, into our family world, into our social world, that we'll have an anointing to make a difference among those that we fellowship with. So, Lord, fill us with your presence and your goodness, and let us go out and make a difference in this world. We do pray, Lord, during this time for your touch to be upon all the churches that are proclaiming your word. Let there be a pure word that comes forth from every church, every born-again church, and let people receive the word of God. So we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for a good day in your house. May your blessing rest upon us as we go. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen to the Lord.